I can't speak for you, but I am always in awe of our praise team, our worship team. Can we give them a word of thanks? Because, you know, it's, it's not just the vocalists and it's not just the instrumentalists. It's our tech team. There's a lot of work that they put into this every single week. And it's not to do a performance. It's not to entertain us. It's to lead us into the worship of our Heavenly Father. And so I appreciate them very much. Go ahead and have a seat. One of the things that um, I've been working a lot on lately as it relates to the, the music part of our, our worship set is really focusing in on the words, zeroing in on what we're singing, and, and so that it's not just something I'm bellowing out because everybody else is doing it, but it's something that's coming from my heart. The song we just sang, I, I jotted down some of the words. I want you to think about this. My fight is not my own. Its end is in your hands. I worship you because I know all things must bow to your command. One word from you and things change on your authority. Your word, it's true. Things change on your authority. I want to take a moment and let's just go before the throne because we need God to change us and it's only his authority that's going to do that. So would you join with me, please? Father, I ask that you change us this hour, that you change our hearts, that as we open up the word of God and as we talk and speak and learn from you, that you will change us based on your authority. I, I pray, Father, that we are not just instructed by the word of God, that we're not just focused on what you're trying to say, but that we will be changed by what you're doing through the word of God. So thank you for what you're going to accomplish. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies, can I have your attention for just a moment? <clears throat> Guys, that does not give you the permission to fall asleep. I just need the ladies for just a moment. What I'm about to say to you, gals, I am 100% serious. The message that I'm about to deliver I'm going to be delivering to the men, not because you're not important, but actually on the flip side, because you are. I, I, I want you ladies to understand that I'm going to intentionally this hour speak into the chest of, the, of every man that's here. And so what I'm asking you ladies to do, and let me back that up, I'm not asking, I'm pleading with you ladies, that you would invest this hour praying like you have never prayed before, that you would pray that God would hold back Satan and his, mean, his minions at bay, that, that, that God would be glorified, not just through the preaching of his word, but through the, the practical application and walking in obedience that every man here needs to do. I'm asking you ladies to be praying that the Holy Spirit would move mightily this hour in the hearts of your husbands and your sons and your brothers and your fathers and your uncles and your friends. And as you're praying, I'd really appreciate if you might squeeze me in the prayer too, that, that you'd pray for me because I'm going to be bringing a message that most pulpits across America today refuse to bring. I'm going to talk with our guys about sexual purity. Guys, hold on, because here we go. You see, I stand before you this morning literally heartbroken 
over godly men who have fallen in disgrace because of their sinful choices. Claims of sexual abuse, sexual harassment, homosexuality, adultery, prostitution, pedophilia, child pornography. These are just some of the things that are taking godly men down right and left. Guys who ought to know better are dropping like flies all around us due to sexual sin and other indiscretions. And I find myself asking the question, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? And at the end of the day, at the end of my life, I don't want anyone to say of me, what was he thinking? I want it to be clear as a bell. No doubts, no questions, no conjectures. I want it to be crystal clear that Steve Etner was a man totally sold out for God. I want to come to the end of my life being able to say as the Apostle Paul did, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And you know what? I'm just crazy enough to believe that every guy in this room wants the same thing. Can I get a witness? <laughs> we are seeing godly men all around us getting picked off by the enemy. And it occurs to me, guys, that if our spiritual leaders can get picked off by the enemy, you and I can as well. And I'm standing before you this morning working off of the assumption you don't want to get picked off by the enemy. Am I right? So I'm privileged to stand before you this morning. I am honored to share with you this morning not a message of condemnation, but one of rescue. Not a message of harsh judgment, but one of hope and healing and restoration. That as we open up the word of God and he speaks to us on his authority, that there will be change that will happen in each of our lives. And I'm, I'm standing before you and, and with godly integrity and spirit-led sincerity, I want to speak to you about leaving a legacy of purity. <laughs> I am truly blessed with an amazing wife of 39 years. I love Heather so much. And, and, and Heather and I have been richly blessed with four children who love God, a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law who love God. And we are blessed with 10 amazing grandchildren who as they're growing up, they're learning from their mom and dads how much God loves them. I am forever grateful <clears throat> to my heavenly father for each and every member of my family. But I'm also humbled. You see, they're my legacy. They're my legacy. And I am deeply concerned over what it is that I need to do. I am deeply concerned over what it is I need to keep on doing so that when I am gone, I have left behind the right kind of legacy. In Exodus chapter 3, we have the account of God appearing before Moses in the burning bush. Remember that story? As, as Moses draws near to see this wonder, God calls out to him from the burning bush and, and he says, I'm the God of your father. The place that you're standing is holy ground. Take off your sandals. And I want you to zero in with me for just a moment on how God revealed himself to Moses. He said, I'm the God of your father. He did not say, I'm the almighty, all-powerful, most holy creator of the universe. He said simply, I am the God of your father. 
And immediately upon that revelation, Exodus 3, verse 6, says Moses trembled. He hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Guys, it occurs to me, I wonder what would happen if the almighty, all-powerful, thrice-holy God of the universe appeared right now to your kids, to my kids, and simply revealed himself as, I am the God of your father. How would they react? How would they respond? What kind of God would they see? What kind of God would they worship? Guys, watch this. What you say and what you do every moment of every day is contributing to the answer to that question. I have been honored and privileged over the last 10 years to be able to counsel and coach men literally all over the globe in the area of sexual purity and sexual addiction. And I gotta tell you guys, from my experience, the enemy is ramping up his game big time. It's becoming increasingly difficult to be a pure man of God. It is becoming harder and harder to be a man of integrity, a man who at the end of every single day of his life is found faithful and godly and pure, all to the honor and all to the glory of Jesus Christ. Guys, I tell you, as long as there is breath in your lungs, as long as there is blood coursing through your veins, as long as the synapses are firing off in your brains, every single one of us have a God-given purpose, a divinely ordained responsibility to be a man of integrity, to be a man of God, to be a man of purity, to be the man that God has called and equipped you to be. I love the words of Proverbs 4.23. I've preached on it, I've counseled men on it, I've even written about it in my books. In Proverbs 4.23, Solomon says, above all else, in fact, let me me hit the pause button for just a moment. Guys, there's there's a couple of times in this message where we're going to have what I want to call an interactive moment. And what I mean is this, I'm going to call upon you to shout out something. Now, did you hear what I just said? I want you to shout out something. I don't want you to speak it, I don't want you to say it. I want you to shout it out. I know there's a bunch of ladies here, but they're, they're engaged in prayer, so, so, so it's just us guys, okay? I want the energy of a football game. Your team just scored the winning touchdown and, and, and secured this, the Super Bowl. Guys, shout out when I ask you to. Right? It'll get, it'll be a, by the way, it'll be a big boost to the message if you do that. This is one of those interactive moments. So Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else. Guys, shout out, above all else. Above all else, in, in, in the Hebrew, the, the language that the Old Testament was written in, that phrase, above all else, is a very interesting phrase. When it's literally translated, it actually comes out to say this, above all else. In other words, nothing is more important. Guys, shout out, nothing is more important. This is the number one thing, the singular thing, the the thing that you and I must do on a regular basis every day of our lives. Guys, if you want to be a man of integrity, if you want to be a man of God, if you want to be a man of purity, if you want to be the man that God has created you to be, then above all else, you must guard your heart. Shout out, guard your heart. heart. Let's put the verse up on the screen. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart heart for it is the wellspring of life you see guys here's the deal here's the point 
Everything about your life emanates from your heart. Everything. Your thoughts, your desires, your feelings, your urges, your attitudes, your bias, preferences, prejudices, your perceptions, everything comes from your heart. And what Proverbs 4.23 is telling us is simply this. If your heart has been tainted, even the slightest bit, the impact is going to be felt across every aspect of your life. Everything. And guys, watch this now. It doesn't take much to poison the wellspring of your heart. Would you grab your Bibles and would you open them to Proverbs chapter 5, please? Proverbs chapter 5. And and as we're turning there, guys, I want you to pause right now. And I want you to seriously consider this question. Where? In your heart, guys, in your heart, where is the wellspring at risk of being poisoned? Where have you, in what ways have you been allowing the enemy to infiltrate your heart and drip his poison into the wellspring of your life? In Proverbs chapter 5, we see a father warning his son to pay attention. He's saying, listen intently to my words of wisdom regarding the protection of your heart. And I want to submit to you guys that one of the places, one of the major places where your heart is at most risk is in the area of lust. Satan wants you to step outside of the boundaries that God has set up for your purity, boundaries that God has established for your protection Now, this is powerful stuff, guys. But I guarantee you what, already there are some men in here that have shut me out, that have tuned me out, that have blocked me off. You've got an argument going on inside your head that goes something like this. Well, Steve, I know that's a powerful message, and I I, I hope you bring it, brother. But um, sexual purity, lust, pornography, sexual self-gratification, that's not my issue. I I don't really struggle with that. So uh, you bring it. And uh, I'll join the ladies and I'll be praying for you. Okay. I will hesitantly grant you the possibility that it's not an issue for you. Even though the statistics scream out at us that over 70% of Christian men, seven out of every 10, are struggling in this area. 30% of Christian women, three out of every 10 are struggling in this area. Even though my last 10 years of experience have have borne those statistics to be true, I'll grant you the possibility that you are somehow one of the elite few that this is not an issue for you. And if you heard some sarcasm there, you're listening well. But guys, even if that is the case, understand that that does not give you the right or the permission to close your eyes and catch a few Zs here. Because I guarantee you there is something that the enemy is dripping into the heart of every single man within the sound of my voice. That it is tainting your will. It may not be pornography. It may not be lust. It may not be self-gratification. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's pride or anger or bitterness. Maybe it's deceit or fear or control. I don't know what it is. But here's what I do know for every man in this room. There is something, some deadly poison that the enemy has been dripping, 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 dripping into the wellspring of your heart. 
Would you look at verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 5? It says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. I want you to picture in your mind's eye, if you would, wise old Solomon standing before his boy, placing his hands upon his son's shoulders and giving them a loving squeeze as he says to him, Oh, my son, oh, son, pay attention. I have words of wisdom regarding the protection of your heart. Listen well. Hey, guys, I submit to you that this morning, through the words of Proverbs chapter 5, God, your heavenly Father, is placing his holy hands upon your shoulders right now. And he's giving you a loving squeeze as he says to you, my son, oh, my son, Pay attention. Listen well to what I have to say regarding the protection of your heart. And then he dives right into the deep end in verse 3. He says, the lips of an adulteress drip honey. Pause for a moment. Guys, what is the adulteress here? What, what, what are the lips of, of the, the forbidden woman? What, what are the lips dripping honey into your life? What is the enemy using in your life to draw you away from your walk with Christ? If the statistics bear true, then at least seven out of every ten guys in this church, in this room, listening to the sound of my voice, it is lust. It is pornography. It is sexual impurity at some level. For some guys, it's an adulterous relationship. For some guys, it's alcohol. For some guys, it's drugs. For some guys, it's, a, it's the pint of ice cream or the third piece of triple chocolate fudge cake. No matter what it might be, I submit, guys, you need to be asking yourself the question, where are the lips dripping honey into my life? Where am I allowing the enemy to drip his poison into the wellspring of my heart? Verse 3 goes on to say, her speech is smoother than oil. Think about it. Oil is slick. Oil is smooth. Oil finds the cracks and the chinks in your armor and it seeps in almost undetected until it soaks the warrior from the inside out. Guys, where is your spiritual armor failing to protect your heart? Where are the cracks? Where are the chinks? Where are you allowing the enemy to infiltrate your life? Verse 4 then says, in the end, she is bitter as gall. I want you to catch the words, in the end. In the end, it's bitter. You know, where there's an end, there's usually a beginning. Verse 3 tells us the beginning here. It's sweeter than honey. It's slicker than oil. And it always begins innocent enough. But in the end, and guys, mark my words, there's always an end. And when King Me is sitting on the throne of your heart, the end will always be bitter. The consequences are always painful and hard. Over the years of ministry, I've heard story after heartbreaking story of men who chose to step outside of the margins of guarding their heart. They allowed themselves to be exposed to things that had speech smoother than oil, sweeter than honey. They chose to be drawn away into something whose end was as bitter as gall, sharper than a double-edged sword. 
It took them farther than they ever planned on going and made them stay longer than they ever planned on staying and it cost them more than they ever wanted to pay. Guys, watch this. When you choose to step away, even if it's for just a moment, you choose to step away from the place of guarding your heart, I guarantee you the end of the story will not be pretty. Look at verses five and six. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Guys, where are the cracks? Where are the chinks in your armor? Where are you spiritually weak? You better identify it because the enemy is on the lookout for it. 1 Peter 5.8 warns us that the devil is like a roaring lion. And he's prowling around looking for your weak spots. He's looking for those chinks and those cracks in your armor so that he can exploit it. He wants to lead you straight to the grave. Guys, listen to this carefully. Lust does not care where you end up. Pornography does not care that your marriage is in shambles. It does not care that you've lost your job. It does not care that you've yielded over your integrity. It doesn't care that your family's falling apart. It gives no thought to life. Now look at verse 7. I want you to notice that Solomon is no longer just talking to his son. He is now including every man in this room. He says in verse 7, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Solomon is talking to men who have chosen to turn their back on God. And let's face it. That's some of you in this room. Don't think I'm pointing the finger at you. I I don't know your story. But God does. And you do. But I also know in a room this size, there are men in here who have turned their back on God. There are men in here who have been playing around with their temptation. Men in here that have, have thought, I've got this. I can handle this. Not a big deal. And you've cho- you're choosing to give up and to give in. Now, now, you may not be looking at porn. Not yet. You may not be engaged in an adulterous affair. Not yet. But you're going to YouTube. You're going to Facebook, Snapchat, Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr, you name it. You're lingering over that luring person on the screen. You're lusting after that woman, or dare we say that guy that's sitting across the aisle from you in church. You're watching that stimulating video, that that TV show, that that movie. You're, You're hanging around your coworker's desk a little too long because she or he It's been giving you a little extra amount of attention. And I submit that Solomon is talking to the man who has begun to turn away from God. And I'm looking out here at some guys who have been turning away from God. You know who you are. The Holy Spirit's been convicting you. He's been working on your heart. I'm talking to men. Solomon is talking to men who have been slowly drifting away from the place of guarding their heart. They've lost their spiritual focus. And Solomon's saying, hey, don't turn aside from what I have to say. Then he goes on to lay it down on the line in verse 8. He says, stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Hey, guys, 
What does the door of her house look like for you? For some guys, the door of her house is the gas station or the drugstore where you stop to get that winning lotto ticket. For some of you, the door of her house is the local bar that you stop at on the way home from work to down a couple with your friends before you have to go home and face your family. For some of you, the door of her house is the medicine cabinet or it's the refrigerator door or it's the computer screen or the laptop or the tablet or the smartphone. I don't know what the door of her house looks like for you. I only know what it looks like for me, but here's what I do know. For every single man listening to this message, every single one of us, guys, listen, the door of her house will always, mark it down, always lead to destruction and death. That's why you must not go near the door of her house. So I'm calling out every man here. I'm calling you out, guys, to be a man of integrity, to be a man of God, to be a man of purity, to be the man that God has called and equipped you to be. Keep to a path far from her. Maintain discretion. Pay close attention to wisdom. Don't go near the door of her house. And then look where Solomon goes from there, verses 9 through 11. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and your body are consumed. Hey, let's face it, guys. The older you get, the more you groan. Can I get an amen? I'm 60 years old, and I'm already groaning more than I care to admit. I, I groan because my joints ache. I, I, I groan because I've got this bulge in the middle that just won't go away. I groan because I can't help from, keep from passing gas. Did he really just say that? I, I, you, you groan because your body's wearing out. But that's not what Solomon's talking about here. Guys, watch this. You don't want to groan because your spirit is wearing out. You don't want to groan because you've, been, you've spent most of your life living for King Me instead of for God. You don't want to groan because with King Me on the throne of your heart, you brought dishonor to the name and the cause of Christ. Trust me, guys, you don't want to come to the end of the race groaning over regret. Look at verse 12. You will say, oh, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings. The message I'm bringing this morning is not new. Guys, you've heard this before. You, you, you understand what we're talking about here. You've heard the warnings. And yet, and yet, there are men in here sitting right now shutting me out, thinking in your head, I don't want to hear this. I, I don't like what you're saying. Hey, guys, guess what? I don't care. I care about you. I don't care about your opinion of me. I care about your personal walk with God. I'm not up here to entertain you. I'm not here to impress you with my knowledge of Scripture or my ability to hold on to your attention. I'm here to speak into your chest. I'm here to challenge your heart. God created you to be a man of God. Be that man. 
Be a man of integrity. Be a man of godliness. Be a man of purity. And if you're not, then verse 14 ought to be keeping you up at night. Solomon, in all of his God-given wisdom, warns us that if you don't keep far from the adulteress, you will say, I have come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. I don't ever want to come to the brink of utter ruin and face public disgrace. Never again. Never again. And I'm willing to wager, guys, you don't want to go there either. I want to be, uh, at the end of my life, I want to be known as a man of integrity, a man of godliness, a man of purity, a man who invested every second of every day guarding his heart. Any guy in this room want to join me on that? How do we do that? How do we end well? How do we live a life of victory so that we can leave a legacy of purity? Well, Solomon gives to us the antidote to the poison of the adulteress in verse 15. He says, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Guys, he's talking about your wife here. In fact, show of hands, how many married guys do we have? You're married. Raise it high. Be proud, guys. You're married. All right, to the married men here, I want to take just a couple of seconds and tell you something. I want to challenge you. When this message is all over, and on your way out, would you wrap your arm around your wife and give her a hug? As you head out to the car, would you grab her hand and hold it and squeeze it? And in the car on the way home, would you tell her how much you love her, how precious she is to you, that she's the queen of your castle? You see, guys, I've heard all too many men over the years whining and complaining and griping over some mamby-pamby garbage that their wife is doing or isn't doing that they don't like. Listen to me, guys. She has to put up with you, and you're a handful. And all the women say, (laughs) stop your complaining. Grow up. Be the man that God has called and equipped you to be. And for the rest of you guys who aren't married, for the single guys out here that are are listening to me, pay attention, guys. The fact that you are not married right now is not a free ticket to play around. If you are messing around with a gal that you are not married to, right here, right now, it's done. It's over. Finito. Capiche? You are to drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Guys, wait till you're married. Verses 16 and 17 says, Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. Guys, I can't be any clearer than this next statement that you should only ever and always have sexual relations with a woman who is your wife, never with anyone else, whether in real time or digitally, never. Am I clear? Verses 18 and 19. Let your fountain be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely dear, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be intoxicated always in her love. Guys, 
Guys, keep your hands and your eyes to yourself. Your wife and only your wife is to satisfy you for the entirety of your life. No one else, ever. In verse 20, Solomon asks a very pointed question. He says, why? Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? Why embrace the bosom of an adulteress, of another man's wife? Again, I can guarantee you in a, in a group this size that there are some men out there with an argument going on inside your head right now. Single or married, doesn't matter. You got the argument going on inside your head that says, well, all I'm doing is a little bit of looking. Just a tiny bit of window shopping. I'm appreciating the beauty that God created. I'm not touching, I'm not engaging. What's the harm? Guys, you do recognize that that is the lie of the enemy. God says this in answer to your question, what's the harm? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus said, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Guys, you look, you've touched. And hey, if you don't like what you've been hearing, if you don't like what I'm saying, tough. Man up and deal with it because this is coming directly from the word of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, He who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God. Look at verses 22 and 23. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. I want us to zero in for the next couple of minutes on those last seven words of verse 23, led astray by his own great folly. Some of you may recognize the name Dr. Howard Hendricks. He was a longtime professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He's now in heaven with the Lord. But while he was alive, he shared a study that he did where he interviewed 246 pastors and missionaries and full-time servants. I I want you to understand that these 246 men that we're about to talk about were full-time ministers of the gospel. And the reason we're going to talk about this, the reason that he interviewed all 246 of these men is because every single one of them had a moral failure within a two-year time span. In other words, all 246 were engaged in an adulterous relationship of some sort. And he personally interviewed all of them. And from those 246 interviews, he discovered there were four common characteristics, four things that all of them shared in common. The first one is that not one of them were in the word of God personally. Not one of them. But they were pastors. They preached every Sunday. Yes, you're right. If you walked into their office and they were counseling, their Bible was open on the desk. If you walked into the office while they were preparing their message, their Bible was open on the desk. But all 246 of those men had quit having a daily quiet time of personal Bible study and prayer. In Psalm 119, verse 9, David asks a powerful question. He says, how can a man keep his way pure? The answer, by guarding it according to the word of God. Each of those 246 men of God chose not to guard their heart with Scripture. They chose not to be in the word of God on a daily basis for their own spiritual well-being and all 246 were sexually impure. In Psalm 119 verse 11, 
David says, I've stored up God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hey, guys, don't depend on pastor's Sunday morning message to carry you throughout the week. Don't rely on Sunday morning's feeding to keep you spiritually nourished throughout the rest of the week. You need to be in the word of God daily. You need to let the Holy Spirit speak his holy truth into the nooks and crannies of your heart every single day of your life. Common characteristic number two. They were not accountable to another guy. All 246 of these pastors did not have someone consistently speaking God's truth into their life, holding their feet to the fire, asking them the hard questions. They had no one that they could share their pain and their problems with, no accountability. Common characteristic number three, all 246 men, every one of them spent an inordinate amount of time with a woman who was not their wife. In other words, they didn't guard their heart. They didn't keep to a path far from her. They chose instead to play around with their temptation. And then fourthly, without exception, all 246 men were solidly convinced it will never happen to me. I'm safe. I've got this. It won't happen. From those 246 men, from those four common characteristics, I want us to extrapolate four keys. Four keys, guys, that if you do these four things consistently, you will not only live a life of victory, but you'll leave a legacy of purity. By the way, guys, before I share with you these four things, this is the other interactive moment that I was warning you about. So again, I don't want you speaking, I don't want you saying, I want you to shout out as we respond to this together. Key number one, guys, be in God's word daily. Shout out, be in God's word. Be in God's word. Okay, that was more like a wussy wheeze instead of a solid shout. Let's try it again. Be in God's word. Be in God's word. Number two, be accountable to another man weekly. Guys, say, be accountable. Be accountable. Number three, be cautious around women always. Guys, shout out, be cautious around women. And number four, understand, you're not invincible. You are vulnerable. Shout out, I am vulnerable. vulnerable. Would you grab your Bibles and go to James chapter one, please? James chapter one, would you find verses 13 through 16 and follow along as I read it to you. James chapter one. Verses 13 through 16. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire. When it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Choice consequences. Do not be deceived my beloved brothers, guys, when you flirt with sin, you will sin. When you choose to put King Me on the throne of your heart 
and you turn your back on God, when you choose to walk in darkness, you will stumble, you will fall, you will give in to the temptation, you will sin. Those 246 pastors that we just talked about, every single one of them put themselves into a dangerous situation again and again and again and again. They flirted with their temptations. They played around with their sin. They chose not to guard their heart. They chose instead to disobey Proverbs 5.8. And instead, they went near the door of her house. They willfully chose to walk in darkness, and they fell. Guys, what about you? Above all else, guard your heart. For from it spring the, the issues of life. When you flirt with temptation, when you choose to walk in darkness, when you fail to guard your heart, you will sin. That's why Romans 13, 14 says, don't even think about how to gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Hey, guys, I want to give you a very serious, very solemn word of warning here. Listen to me carefully. Pride will blind you to your weakness. Pride will blind you to your weakness. I say that because I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there are some men here who have been listening to this message and you've got another argument going on inside your head. You've been sitting here listening to this saying, wow, Steve, this is good, this is powerful. Uh, I I'm glad you're bringing it. And, and I sure do hope that the other guys here are listening to it, but I'm okay. This still is not an issue for me. I hope the other guys are listening, but, but I'm okay. If that's your mindset, if that's the argument going on inside your head right now, then I want to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, because it's speaking directly to you. Let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, I had to think about it for a second. Proverbs 16, verse 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Guys, do you, do you recognize the Old Testament name Samson? Does that ring a bell? Strongest man to have ever lived. Do you recognize the Old Testament name Solomon? Again, does that ring a bell? The wisest man to have ever lived. I'm sure everyone in this room would recognize the name King David, a man described to be after God's own heart. Here's what I want you to think about. Samson, Solomon, King David, 246 men of God, all of the men I just mentioned loved God, wanted to serve God, trying to be faithful to God. All of those men were overcome by sexual temptation. Guys, please listen to me. There is not a man alive that is exempt from what we've been talking about here. None of us are exempt. For each of those 246 men, for every Christian man who has ever fallen in sexual sin, myself included, they all began by drifting away slowly from their walk with Christ. Their Bibles grew dusty from lack of use. Their prayers became dry and less passionate. They failed to guard their hearts. So right now, guys, I'm challenging you. 
I'm daring, no, I'm not daring you. I'm triple dog daring you. I think that's something, isn't it? You get the point? I'm challenging you. Be the man that God has created you to be. Determine from this point forward that you are going to be a man of integrity, that you're going to be a man of God. You're going to be a man of purity. You're going to be the man that God has called and equipped you to be. And then tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the day after that, and the week after that, and the month after that, and the year after that, continue to be the man of integrity and be the man of God and be the man of purity that God has called and equipped you to be. And then I challenge you to determine from this point forward you're going to walk in obedience to James chapter 4, verse 7 every moment of your day. You're going to choose to submit to God. You're going to choose to resist the devil. You're going to choose to tell the enemy to go to hell where he belongs. And yes, you just heard me say that. You're going to choose to never go near the door of her house and above all else guard your heart. In just a moment, Matt and the team are going to lead us in a closing song. If you remember when I first got up here this morning, I I challenged you that when we sing these songs, that they shouldn't just be songs you're singing, but words that you're, you're worshiping, that you're saying them directly to God. You're meeting them from your heart. And we've chosen this song very specifically to close out this message because the words say this, God, you can search my heart, the very deepest part from beginning to the end. Guys, can you say that? God, here's my heart. I give it all to you. The words go on to say, give me a heart abandoned ever after you alone. Gold and silver. Guys, lust and pornography, drugs and alcohol, pride and worry, whatever it might be, you can take it. All I want is you, my Lord. Here's my soul. And just like Jericho, come and tear down the walls because I am in your hand. You've captured my
That's all I can say right now. Guys, I love every one of you. What you just did just now is more than just coming down front. You just declared war on the enemy. on your back when you walk out those doors the battle is going to begin but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world that we can truly do all things through Christ who gives us the strength and guys with God on your side Romans 8.37 says you are more than a conqueror but ladies I want you to notice what your men just did I want you to support them. I want you to encourage them. I want you to pray for them, pray with them. And when you see them stumbling in the battle, I want you to come alongside of them and lift them up and encourage them. And guys, I have one last challenge for you before we dismiss. In Psalm 34, verse 5, it says, Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces are never covered with shame. You don't ever have to have your face covered with shame ever again. As long as you keep your eyes on him. As long as above all else, you are guarding your heart. Father in heaven, thank you for what you have done today. Thank you in advance for what you are going to do in the hearts and lives of these men. In the homes and the families that are represented here. Father, thank you for the privilege we have in this particular day and age to stand firm in the faith, submitting ourselves to God and resisting the devil and having the promise of Scripture that he will turn tail and run from us. We give you the honor, all the glory, and all the praise, for it is in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, God bless you and have a great day.